Welcome back to the Movie Bible Podcast. This week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we break down the opening weekend for Knives Out, as well as Queen and Slim, and the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebiblereviews.com. All right, so breaking down this weekend's top five at the box office, we have Frozen 2, again in the number one spot with $85.25 million domestically, followed by Knives Out, opening at $27 million and some change. Ford v. Ferrari is in third place at $13.2 million domestically, followed by A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood at $11.8 million domestically, and Queen and Slim rounds out the top five in its debut with $11.7 million domestically. So overall, everything did pretty well, especially the movies that are returning, just because this was a very extended weekend and Thanksgiving is normally a pretty solid uh, day for the box office, just a pretty solid week in general, uh, depending on where you're at in the country. You probably had either the entire week or half of the week off with kids from school. And so people are going to the movies and we're seeing a lot of the results with that. So especially with Frozen, which only had about a 35% drop in its second week, which is really good. It's sitting at $738 million worldwide, which is phenomenal. I mean, this thing is well on its way to a billion. It's going to be very confusing if it doesn't cross a billion at this point. Um, But it is making money and it's proved that this is a success, at least a little bit beyond just the opening weekend. Yeah, it's doing really good numbers, and it's actually the largest three-day and five-day grosses over the Thanksgiving holiday ever, so that's something for it. But yeah, it's the theme of this episode is definitely just going to be like how beneficial just the holiday break was for all these movies, because you see with Frozen, like on, on Monday the 25th, it grossed a little under $13 million. then on Tuesday it was about 21 then on Wednesday it was 24 and then on third and then Thursday Thanksgiving Day it was almost fifteen million and like those those kind of grosses like throughout the week just don't happen like throughout the rest of the year and it's part part of the reason why like I mean we kind of joke all the times about how the Oscars are about movies that come out in the last couple months of the year um, but it, it just makes a lot of sense for movies to release then because people just have way more time on their hands and they don't know what to do with themselves so they just go see movies. And that's just kind of been what the idea is for, for many, many years. And yeah, you're seeing it with Frozen here, which is just kind of absurd. And it's already, I think last week it was a little a little under $400 million, um, worldwide. And it's, yeah, it's already up over $700 million, So, And it's just after 12 days. So I imagine like Frozen will probably be right around a billion next week. Um, but yeah, it's just really impressive. And it just shows kind of just how powerful Thanksgiving is for just studios in general. And I think it's also just a testament to the movie itself because, you know, it's still a little too early to call the legs on this thing. But what made Frozen work originally with the the initial film was just it had really strong legs and Frozen 2 has all that hype coming into it. So it was bound to be a little bit more top heavy, but this is a pretty good indication of its legs so far. And I, I think it'll have pretty strong legs as we go throughout the rest of the holiday season. Yeah, and it's Disney is just they do such a good job of releasing some type of family-friendly movie around Thanksgiving. Like, between Pixar or just Disney Animation, they've released a animated movie right around Thanksgiving just about, like, every year for the past decade. It's just one of their things. They just plant their flag and say, we're releasing something every time this year. 
Um, so I, I think that's going to continue next year with one of their properties. I can't think of it, what it is offhand, but it's just something Disney just has figured out. They just it's Thanksgiving is time for family, and so they figure, hey, let's just throw something out that's family oriented, and they just continue to do really, really well. Um, so yeah, it's just really just smart just to have some type of big property in there. And we're going to see that with other movies here too. That everything just does really well. So it's just yeah, it's just a great move for all studios. Yeah, and I think. Frozen just had has the benefit of really strong word of mouth as well. I've heard pretty positive reactions to it overall. I know I really enjoyed it and thought it was just a really well done sequel. And I think that's kind of the general consensus, which is definitely going to help carry it all the way through. Yeah, and just also just the all like the branding and all of like the toys and whatnot. I mean, from what it seems like, I still haven't seen Frozen two. I actually haven't seen the first Frozen, so I'm not really an expert at all in this field. Uh, but it does seem like it kind of it kind of went on its own route and did something different rather than just kind of playing the hits a, a second time around. Um, so it doesn't feel like, as like much of a cynical cash grab um, as far as sequels go. But it, the, all of the branding and all the toys, all those possibilities are still there. Like people, so many kids are still going to be asking for Olaf presents for Christmas and all these things like that. Like it's just really smart all around and you just can't underestimate how just – of a juggernaut like frozen is for Disney. It's just like their biggest thing by far that they have right now outside of Marvel. Yeah. I'd say this is definitely their biggest like independent IP right now. That's not something they had to purchase, um, which is just why the first one was a monster success. And it's just kind of fueling this one, Um, which actually to touch on your Thanksgiving note, uh, they're actually banking the Eternals around this Thanksgiving release date next year, uh, which will be, a pretty good way to give them a leg up on some of their unknown Marvel characters. Yeah. They just, Disney it's cause they, they do it with a lot of their properties. I mean, yeah, I mentioned they do it with like their animated movies on that, but it's also kind of there. These things where they're slightly unproven, like Coco was a big one that came out in Thanksgiving a few years ago. Like no one really knows what Coco is. I mean, it was really great, really great uh, marketing job by them and in a really good trailer, but I don't really quite know like what it is or just like kind of what the possibilities are. So this is just a really like weirdly a Thanksgiving time, even though like there's not really like there's a bunch of like other films and things to choose from. It is a good time to maybe plop out some type of like slightly like unknown property from like when you, and you can put like the Disney branding and everything like that on it. Um, which is, it's just a really smart play. I mean, but we do know that the, there's a wrong side of that because we all remember, or maybe we don't remember, uh, Robin Hood from last year, which was just, just not a good thing that no one really wants to talk about ever. But you have Disney, everyone, Disney has a brand, you know, Disney Plus and all these great things out there. Like you, everyone knows what you're getting from a Disney movie. And even if they don't know quite what it is, they're going to give it a shot just because it has that branding on it. So it's just, yeah, they just, they dominate this time of year and it's just really smart that they continue to dabble in it. And I mean, two years ago, they really used this date to bring Thor back to life (laughs) Um, uh, with Thor Ragnarok. And I think Warner Brothers tried to use this date for Justice League and that didn't necessarily work, but it's it's a good date to release things you're not 100% sure of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Frozen is just a testament to that. And especially as we get further and further into the holiday season, and especially these last couple weeks in December, we'll see everything really pick up again and so with that we'll move on to knives out which opened on tuesday in most places as well as having some advanced screenings last friday and saturday 
and it pulled in $27 million and some change over the weekend, uh, in addition to about $14.6 million over the week uh, leading into the weekend. And so it's sitting uh, actually pretty well coming out of its first week. So it has a budget estimated estimated at about $40 million, and it's sitting at about $70 million worldwide right now. So Knives Out is off to a very strong start. Yeah, and I this is really good news for Lionsgate, who's just they've kind of been struggling here and there throughout the year. I mean, they did really well with John Wick three earlier, and um, but they also had Midway, which came out a few weeks ago, which is not doing very well. We will not be talking about it on this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just really good job. I just I just am really happy that this kind of movie does really well because I mean we'll get into it soon, but it's just really well made and like wildly entertaining and fun and thrilling and. It's just great to see, and after when you total up all its its gross throughout the week, it's it made well over it made over its budget here just in the U.S. And then you have the world worldwide totals coming in as well, making seventy million already. So it's just doing really good numbers, and it's really good to see there because it has a few um, a few territories it still has to open in. Um, we'll see how well it does there, but it's just it's just doing great. It's just a really good sign. It makes me happy. Yeah, and it's a really big win for original content um, just because this is, you know, this isn't part of a franchise. Really, the biggest thing you have going for this is it's a Ryan Johnson film, which I mean, you can call kind of a franchise of its own if, if you want. And it's uh, Chris Evans' first post-Captain America role. Uh, but overall, like this is a pretty untested idea that could have gone either way. And I'm, I'm really glad to see it succeeding. Yeah, it's I mean, I like the whole last Jedi thing is just something I never want to talk about ever again. Um, but it's just really great to see Ryan Johnson, who's probably one of the best uh, writer director combos working in the studio system that we have today. Uh, it's just really great to see him b- bounce back and just deliver just another really entertaining and just fascinating film. Um, Cause I think he's like one of the few guys, I mean, we have like the Tarantinos and the, all like the Scorsese's and all those of the world. I think Ryan Johnson is like, slowly making his case that he's a, a guy that you can kind of bank on for a movie. Um, maybe less so because of his name brand. Uh, I mean, people, you, if you talk to like a ton of different people on the street, the people are much more likely to know uh, Quentin Tarantino other than Ryan Johnson, but he just makes really like good films within like a, that have a certain genre bend to them. Um, I mean, Star Wars is just kind of its own animal. We go back to like something like brick or even looper where it's, his films have a way of delivering on those genre thrills that a lot of people, just a lot of mainstream audiences look for, but they're also just incredibly well-written and have more subtext to them than any other, most of these films like even, even think about putting in themselves. Um, I even, I always go back to Looper when um, there's a conversation between Bruce Willis and uh, just Gordon Levitt uh, at a diner. And it's the whole movie is kind of about, it's kind of a play on, those sort of like the tropes of time travel and things like that. And Bruce Willis is basically like, just stop fucking talking about the time travel. It doesn't matter. Like what matters is what's like happening. Um, and that's just, Ryan Johnson is just really good at kind of just playing with those tropes that we've seen so many times again, and just spinning them in a different direction. I mean, the whole idea of subverting expectations is just, it's kind of a joke at this point in saying, but he really does it. And it's really strong in how he does it. And he also just, delivers like the things that we all love about these genres like i mean it's really it's kind of tough to talk about knives out outside of spoilers and i think i'd like to keep spoilers 
kind of like minimal here. Um, but it just he he kind of he plays with the, the the things you know from these from murder mystery movies, but he also delivers a lot of those fun thrills at the same time. So um, yeah, he's just he's just really really good. And I feel like I find him more interesting with every passing film. Yeah, and I think this is a really risky genre to be making kind of a big movie in. So, I mean, his first step out of Star Wars is, is going to be really important because that's really going to – the success or failure of this movie is going to kind of make his career easier or harder because he's already you know been to Star Wars and you can't get much more in terms of a movie than that. Um, but, yeah, this genre is something that really hasn't been popular since the 60s except for Clue in the 80s. And, you know, this is typically an, an old-person genre. So to make this – much more of a wider appeal was kind of a struggle. And I think we're seeing that this movie managed to do that and is its ability to kind of reach beyond the bounds of what whodunits usually would be uh, in today's movie market is, is part of the reason why it's succeeding so well. Yeah. And we, and just piggybacking off that, we had like the, the Kenneth Branagh version of Orient on the Mur- uh, murder on the Orient express. I think that was two years ago that came out, um, which was very much an old person movie. I mean, it's, a remake of the most, one of the most classic murder mystery tales ever. It's just very by the numbers and just kind of plays the audience. And I think we're going to get uh, death on the Nile. Um, I think it's either next year or the year after that coming out. Um, but yeah, it just knives out. It's just, a, it's a whole different beast. Um, and it's really interesting on in the way it has a very interesting political subtext, just kind of about um, kind of Anna, Anna de Armas's character. It comes from an immigrant family and it's, there's a whole idea of, um, all the wealth, the wealthy Thromby family just kind of wanting to keep their wealth to themselves and having a fear of some people, of someone taking that wealth away from them. And it kind of debunks like the myth of like the self-made man really nicely. Uh, there's just like a lot of stuff in here um, that makes Knives Out kind of interesting to all all people, like all, all mainstream audiences or just even more. Like you have like these crazy, you have Daniel Craig just with like a crazy Southern accent just going nuts just having the time of his life as a really fun detective. Uh, you have Michael Shannon doing Michael Shannon things, just like yelling throughout the entire film. And Chris Evans is just hamming it up and just with glee at all times. And you have all these really fun things that just a lot of audiences can latch onto. But then you also have like these really just like wonderfully written scenes just about like, just about politics in America and how we view immigrants and, just a lot of things, and like things about wealth, and it's just—it's really fascinating to see Ryan Johnson be able to like, kind of like thread the needle on those two things. It just shows just—he's just such a great writer. Yeah, and I think he manages to juggle a really large cast, and you know, while not everybody is the star of the show, everybody feels really distinct and at least somewhat memorable. So, I mean, you have especially the younger characters in the film, uh, not counting Ana de Armas's character, are like pretty much in just one or two scenes and then they're gone. Uh, but everybody really pops and stands out. So even though you have like four different old white guys, it's really easy to kind of <laughs> identify who's who. And, and you, you feel like, you know, the family uh, really well, even though you're only spending, you know, two hours with them. Um, and most of that time isn't even focused on them. Yeah. He's just, Ryan Johnson's just really good at making each scene kind of like its own little just a mini movie uh where each like they're all just wildly entertaining and he has really punchy and fun dialogue and they all move the they all move the plot forward in some way but yeah like you said he has a fun he has a really good way of making just little moments memorable yeah like a couple couple characters like jada martell's character which 
I'll kind of save the, the specifics of his character because it's really funny and what Ryan Johnson does with him. And it's definitely a playoff of all the shit he dealt with after uh, The Last Jedi, which is really great. But yeah, he probably has, what, like 10 lines throughout the entire movie. But each one hits at the, at the, exact, at the exact right moment. It, they're all perfectly edited together. And you just, he, he has these little, he has these, he just kind of just drops these bombs into a middle of a scene and just leaves like a lasting impact. And it's kind of the same for all these different characters. See, like, yeah, like you said, they all disappear for times, but then you never feel like they're totally gone because they come right back and they're just firing on all sol- uh, cylinders once again. It's, it's just really fun. I don't really know quite how he did it. He managed to do it. Um, it's, re- I wonder if there's, there's something where he's just kind of accrued like a, different sense of freedom and the kind of movies he can make just because he's been really productive in the past. Uh, it's just, it is really great because you have just, just these awesome, like awesome celebrity like actors who we love from all these different genres, just coming together and kind of being different versions of, the, of themselves that we love. And some are just playing off of the personas that we know. It's, it's just, yeah, it's absurdly entertaining on all levels. Yeah, I mean, I just loved this movie. <laughs> every every time any of the characters spoke, it was just wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> every time they spoke. <laughs> it's just so much fun, and it's so entertaining, and just a lot of the visuals, like you, you saw in the trailers a little bit, that little wall of knives, like the way he just continues to shoot that in different angles, and the way they use that throughout the movie is just a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I loved this movie. <laughs> yeah, so where does this rank among the Ryan Johnson films for you, if you had to kind of put it like a quick list together. I'd say it's pretty close with Looper. And I, you know, I don't want to stick it specifically anywhere because I haven't seen Brick in a while. Um, But I'd say for me, it's probably Last Jedi, Knives Out, Looper, Brick, Brothers Bloom. Yeah, it's hard for me. Yeah, it's really hard to say because it's, pretty fresh off of this thing and there's i definitely want to watch this a few more times because there's just so many little details that i'm sure i missed um and you just like it's just jam-packed with stuff um i think looper is probably my favorite ryan johnson movie i think i've returned to that one the most i think it's just like all of his movies it's wildly entertaining but it's also just like incredibly weird and and just strange at all times i, I just find it so fascinating it, it continues to just keep me on my toes, even though I've seen it probably like 10 times at this point. Um, I think right after that is Knives Out. I think Knives Out is just really terrific. Um, I definitely want to see it so many more times. Uh, after that, it's tough to say. I think uh, like Break Brothers Bloom and um, Last Jedi, I think they all kind of swirl around in like kind of a similar, just, and I just kind of view them all kind of similarly. I kind of, I have, I really like a ton of parts of them. I also have kind of like minor issues with some of it. It's, it's really hard to say, but yeah, knives out is just wildly entertaining. Like I wouldn't, I, I suspected it might be my favorite Ryan Johnson movie. And like with, with some time away from its release. Yeah. And I think that's, it's definitely when you need repeat viewings for just because it's that kind of movie where you need to see it once where you don't know the twist. And then once where you do and to, to really put it in perspective, and so, I mean, I really enjoyed my not knowing the twist viewing of it. And when I go see my knowing the twist view of it, I'll look at it from a different angle and hopefully enjoy it just as much. 
Yeah, and he's also just throwing so much stuff at you. Like you said, like you know the twists. Like there's just so many things that happen, like so many different reveals and just ways that he just changes your perception of different things that happen throughout the movie. Like it is really when I watched it the first time uh, a couple a couple weeks back, I saw I thought it was incredibly entertaining, but I wondered how it would all stick together because it's just flying so so much, and you, know, you wonder if it's like if he's sneaking some type of inconsistency by you. It's just but you're just still entertained the whole time. It's just, it's really fascinating. It's, it's, I still believe that. Like, I don't know if it all quite comes together, but it, it is so like endlessly fun to watch, watch him try and put all this, throw all this crap at you. Yeah. Like it, it's a very loaded movie, but it doesn't ever really feel bloated, uh, which is a very difficult uh, balance to strike. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this, and I think it's going to, do really well i I mean we're going to talk about next week in in a little bit but it's just next week doesn't really have any like any standout things coming out uh, at least in theaters anyway uh so i i mean and this movie's getting really good it has an a minus cinema score and it's getting really that's an 8.1 on imdb which is really impressive it's kind of when you look at like the imdb top 250 like that's kind of right in that range there um so that's just really good i so i imagine that um even with uh there's not even with like a non-holiday week coming next week, I do imagine that Knives Out will have a really good drop. Yeah, I, I think it's it, and it's again it ties back to that whole Thanksgiving weekend. Like it's it's a good weekend to open, especially if you're a movie that people enjoy, and especially if it's something like Knives Out that kind of encourages repeat viewings. I think it'll be fine as we go throughout the next couple of weeks because it will die down a little bit. But then once we really get back into Christmas and New Year's, everything's going to pick back up pretty well. Yeah, and I think the word of mouth is really going to be off the charts with this one because it's it's not like a big, massive temple Marvel, Disney whatever. It's but it has enough broad appeal where you could run into someone and say, oh, it has this person or it has this person or it's about this or it has this in there. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, there's just so much stuff in here that I think it's a really specific in how it's written, but there is also just like, it's just, there's so much mass appeal built into it. It's just, it's a really well-crafted movie just from like a creative sense, but also just like how you like market films. Like it's just, it feels like it's a really easy one to market. And I think we probably will see this get a couple hundred million by the time we're done here, maybe, maybe tap out around 250 million. I wouldn't be surprised about that if it got that, that worldwide. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's going to do really well. I, think we'll be talking about this one for many many weeks yeah and i'm excited too i love this movie i've <laughs> been pretty vocal about how it how uh how, and how much anticipation i had for it and it didn't quite land at the very top of my list like i kind of expected it to but it's still very high on my list of movies for this year yeah me as well it's i don't think i mean i'm just, i'm in the middle of like the binge of all binges for my for my end of the year lists and whatnot uh, so I don't know if it'll quite get cracking in that top ten, but it is it is really great. It's nothing it's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It's like it's a very solidly put together movie. It's very enjoyable, has a nice twist. Like there's very little to complain about here. And so with that, we'll move on to Ford v Ferrari, which is in its third weekend at the box office and pulled in thirteen point two million dollars domestically which was a pretty low drop. It was definitely aided by the Thanksgiving Day weekend with 16, with only a 16% drop. But it is still struggling. So it's only at about $143 million worldwide. 
uh, against a hundred million dollar budget, which at this point is is going to be really tough for it to overcome any further. I, I'm not quite as bearish on it as you are here. I think I've, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done here with with Ford v Ferrari, but I think given that it is like one of the like the ultimate dad movies, it's probably on the dad movie hall of fame at this point. Just in how many things are in there, 60s cars, just movie stars it just it just has it runs the gamut there i mean it does have a few uh places it still needs to open in um a couple of them are pretty big um it has to open in south korea as well thailand panama um japan it doesn't it's going to open there in january um so we'll see what happens there i mean it's not going to pick up a couple hundred million in those markets but it'll definitely help because those are kind of the bigger internet some of the bigger international markets we see but i th- i think this movie has a really good chance to just kind of just slowly play th- like Maybe just kind of hit those like ten, maybe eight to six million dollar grosses every week for like the, and throughout the rest of the year. Um, I just think it it scratches an itch that a lot of movies don't quite do um, this this year. It's just it's it's just for older people in general. And I think that they kind of always are looking for movies to see. Um, I think its biggest competition will be when uh, Richard Jewell comes out in a few weeks because uh, we all know that Clint Eastwood just <laughs> rakes up the, the cash with uh, older generations going to going to the theaters. So we'll see how it fares there. But I, I, w- I wouldn't close the book quite on this one. I think this is still a wait and see because it's definitely going to maybe do a re-release. It's going to do some type of push for the Oscars. Um, I don't know here. It's, it's too close to call at this point for me. Yeah, and I think this is where its release date and the Christmas season, holiday season will really come in handy because it will either make or break this movie. It, it gives it a lot more wiggle room to work with just because people do have more free time. People are going to the movies more. And so it's, I don't want to say it's down for the count yet, but it's a struggle. It's going to be a struggle for it to really, really get profitable at this point. Yeah, it's, it's definitely gonna be really tough, but I, I don't think we'll. I don't think we're gonna end all this and call it a bomb. Uh, it's just it's doing too well for that. Um, like I've like I kind of tweeted out after I saw it. Like I still think that budget is way too high. Um, but at the end of the day, I it brought us a really good movie that I will enjoy. So I don't really. I mean, and it owned, it's owned by Disney now, so they can afford to lose a couple million here and there. They'll be fine. And they're not gonna shut their doors. So we'll <laughs> everything. All, all in all, I think we'll we'll just kind of just wipe our hands of this one and probably just move on with relatively unscathed. Yeah. And I think this will end up kind of in the similar position to what Shazam did earlier this year where it made money, but Shazam actually holds the record for the smallest amount of success in a superhero movie. So it made enough money to be profitable, but not enough to like really be considered a legitimate full-blown superhero success and i think ford v ferrari is going to kind of position itself into that same category where it'll make money because right now it's pushing profitability um i I would say it's probably not outright profitable yet uh, but it's getting closer to that and i think if it can inch over that it'll be very mildly profitable um but but nothing it's going to be a super success at this point yeah, I totally agree. It's, there's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, we just gotta keep. It's tough. We want to jump to conclusions, like very, like I think, just in all walks of life now. But especially with box office stuff. But yeah, I think there's, 
there's just I think there's just too much uh, for me to like kind of go crazy about this one. Um, yeah, it's I I would love to be able to check in with this one in a few weeks and see what's going on there. Yeah, and so with that, we'll move on to a beautiful day in the neighborhood, which is returning to the box office for its second week. Had $11.8 million domestically, which was only an 11% drop from last week, which is really strong. So it's sitting at about $34 million domestically, which is also its worldwide total at this moment in time, and is past its production budget, which was about $25 million. So a beautiful day in the neighborhood is off to a pretty strong start and has actually been decently profitable so far. Yeah, this is like... As far as uh, releasing prestige movies goes, like this is probably the perfect time to release this kind of movie. I mean, we kind of touched on it before with kind of like family friendly content, but in this, I believe this movie is PG. Um, so, and just everyone kind of loves Fred Rogers. Like, if you know Fred Rogers, you kind of you kind of love him. <laughs> it's it's really hard there uh, to kind of be a detractor there, but it's we're kind of seeing the same thing here that we saw with Frozen, just kind of on a micro scale, where it's performing really really well throughout the week. So on Monday, it hit about 1.5 million, and on Tuesday, it was about 2.3, and Wednesday, it was 2.3, and, thir- and then Thursday on Thanksgiving, it was a 3.1 million gross here in the States. And we're just kind of, we're kind of seeing that, like, a sustained, like, just, like, kind of ticking away, getting a couple million every single day. Uh, we've kind of seen that since the movie has been released, where it's kind of just fluctuating between maybe 1.5 to $5 million every single day here in the States. And I don't really see that stopping anytime soon because it's just the perfect – it's kind of in the same way as Green Book performed last year where Green Book kind of went wide right around Thanksgiving. And it just kind of touched a chord and it was meant to be like kind of a feel-good movie. And that move, these things just kind of stick around for a while. And I kind of see the same thing with A Beautiful Day in Neighborhood. And maybe it just kind of pops at some point kind of like as Green Book did when it started building – some type of steam for a best picture race where it just kind of hit and just made just so much money and stayed in theaters for forever. Um, I think, I mean, Sony is kind of ramping up on a big Oscar campaign for this movie. They're sending out screeners and all that. Um, So I kind of, there is, I think there is a, there is a future where that kind of, where green, where it has kind of a green book type success where it hits a couple hundred million, maybe makes a huge, big, a huge run at best picture. Um, It's definitely, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this movie doesn't get most of its international releases until uh, starting in January through March. So it's got a pretty spread out release schedule, which is going to keep it relevant. I mean, to keep it in the discussion, and especially as we get into kind of Academy season, it'll continue to build stateside as well. So I think this is going to be one to watch just in terms of its legs. Yeah, no doubt. It's I think we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, awards come out from critic critic groups and guilds and all that. And I I suspect that this movie is just kind of one of those things where it, it it generally speaks to all people. Where it looks like it's just kind of all about just like loving uh, people and just being just having a universal sense of kindness. So which just that just kind of makes everyone feel good, and they're probably prone to vote for that uh, over like some really troubling and just like tough to get tough to dive into kind of movie. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I do see a lot of, a um, lot of stuff building in this movie's favor. Yeah. I, I think we'll definitely be seeing this one pop up at time. And again, as we go throughout the next few months 
And so with that, we'll move on to Queen and Slim, which opened up this weekend, uh, had kind of an extended release as well, along with what Knives Out had. So it pulled in $11.7 million over the weekend, in addition to about $4.1 million in the earlier part of the week. So it is obviously not going to be as strong as like Frozen or Knives Out, but it doesn't really need to be either. And it's sitting at about $15.8 million worldwide, uh, which is actually off to a pretty good start for the kind of movie it is. You know, it's a much smaller budgeted movie, just a smaller scale, um, only has a budget of about 17 to $20 million. So it's off to a decent start. Um, but I think the issue is going to be, what are the legs like this? Um, just going forward through the rest of the season. Yeah. And when looking at this one, I think it's really interesting to compare it to actually two similar movies that came out last year. So the first one, um, is The Hate You Give, which I believe was an early October release. And it did kind of a similar thing where it released kind of smaller. So like Queen, uh, Queen and Slim was only in about 1,600 theaters here in the States. Um, but then The Hate You Give kind of expanded two weeks later and tried to go wide. Um, it wasn't incredibly successful. That movie actually was sadly just not very profitable. Um, but I think we're kind of seeing a, a similar thing here where I, I imagine Queen and Slim will probably pick up theaters as the weeks go on. Um, depending on, like you said, how it's performing financially, I think we're going to see it get a little bit, a little bit of a bump next week. Maybe go closer to two, two thousand uh, theaters. Um, so we'll see. I think in, a, in, in another interesting kind of data point for to measure it against is uh, last year's Widows, which was a November release, and both both are kind of a genre take on um, just racial issues here in, uh, here in the States. And what it was actually open to a comparable amount, it was uh, 12 million uh, in its opening. Um, but the good news for Queen and Slim there is uh, Widows opened in 2,800 theaters. Um, so perhaps there's a bigger upside here uh, than Widows, which actually tapped out at a, right around 70 million worldwide. Um, so if there's a better upside for Queen and Slim, then that would be great for this movie considering it's, much more of a has much more of a modest budget uh, than Widows do, which was right around like forty million, if I remember correctly. So yeah, this is just a it's a really smart uh, it's a really good uh, blending of kind of creative um, just kind of just dis- creative discussion based on the the, the movie's themes of race and uh, and police brutality, but also just a really smart business decision keeping that budget down. And it's just it, this seems this is a really savvy play in my mind. Yeah, and I think this is going to be another one where word of mouth is really going to be what makes or breaks this movie, uh, just because of the subject matter. And, I mean, nobody wants to see a movie that makes interesting points poorly. And so far, from what I've heard, this has been a pretty solidly put together movie, kind of like everything else we've talked about this week. Um, So I think it'll have pretty solid legs, especially if it can tap into the audience um, that we saw really tap into Black and Blue, uh, which is... a somewhat similar um, movie that came out just about a month or so ago. Yeah. And that's, that was a really good comp because black and blue like weirdly did very, very well and had a great cinema score its first week. It was like a plus or something like that. Um, and the movie's actually done pretty decently since um, just kind of racking up. It's 22 million worldwide. It's got a $12 million budget. Um, I think definitely uh, universal has bigger hopes for um, queen and slum than, uh, Screen Gems did for Black and Blue. Um, so we might see it strike a chord and actually do really well and break out. Um, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. There's there's a lot of fun people involved in this one. I think I think we all kind of love Daniel Kaluuya at this point. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool. I hope it really does well. 
Yeah, I mean, after Get Out and Black Panther, I really still don't trust his decision making <laughs> as a character, but <laughs> I, uh, I'll give him a shot with Queen and Slim. I'm excited to go see that one this week. And so that pretty much wraps up what's going on at the box office right now. Uh, but here in the next week, we have a, a an interesting uh, weekend at the box office. So we <laughs> That's have, putting it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> we have the long-awaited Playmobil movie, uh, which had a very limited release here in either August or September uh, in France. Um, and it's finally getting its American release. Um, I think this movie is going to flop pretty hard, but I, you know, it hasn't come out yet, so I'll, I'll give it a chance. Uh, but it's at a budget of about seventy-five million dollars uh, from its Oof. French run that started a few months ago, started in August, <laughs> has pulled in twelve point three million dollars uh, worldwide. So I, I do not foresee good things about this movie. Yeah, we've been. I feel like we've been joking about this movie since like last year. Like I feel like it's been pushed back. Like it's been pushed back at least twice at this point um now it's finally landed with stx entertainment who i mean we've gone down the road of looking through their films they don't have a great history of films that they've released um this movie was i think was a a part of global global roads um slate for the year but then obviously they went out of business after shortly after the um ill-fated show dogs which which still haunts me to my core uh, after a year a year or so later. Um, so yeah, this, I feel like this movie was kind of dead on arrival. I don't really. <laughs> we've been just kind of just peppering it with jokes. It's I, there's just nothing here. For, I think for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie has just become a meme overall, and I, I really don't see it living on as anything but that. Yeah, I mean it's it's got fucking Daniel Radcliffe as the main character. Like this is. <laughs> Like, outside of, like, the new Spongebob movie that's coming out next year, like, this might be, like, I really hope this becomes, like, the biggest meme thing ever because it would just make me really happy. Yeah, I mean, it's Danny Radcliffe playing a knockoff Lego who's a secret agent. So I I don't really know what more you could ask for. (laughs) If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Um, But other than that, we also have... Uh, the continued wider releases of Honey Boy and Dark Waters, which I know Honey Boy has been on the top of my list for a while. Um, and Dark Waters, I'm pretty excited to see, if only for everybody's West Virginian accents. Um, so those those are coming out as well. And I know you've had a chance to see Honey Boy already. Yeah, Honey Boy is a really interesting movie. Um, it's definitely, it's going to, uh, that and Dark Waters are both hoping to, kind of break out and become some sort of award sensation because that's going to how they're going to garner a lot of attention because honey boy is just kind of like one of those movies it's it's just a tough hang um so the story behind it is obviously shia labeouf uh wrote the script uh and it's just essentially based off of his life and it kind of goes back and back and forth between um his child self as he's acting and kind of hanging out with his um abusive dad and then it kind of flashes forward to him as an adult uh, played by Lucas Hedges and kind of showing the aftermath and kind of him um, dealing with just all the issues he had that started as a kid and kind of going into rehab and kind of trying to rectify his life in general so it's just it's really tough to it's really tough to watch times but it's it's a really I came out of it really hoping like for the best kind of for Shia LaBeouf because I feel like his meltdown and everything along with it has kind of been well publicized over the years uh, so this kind of it really feels like 
he's dealing with a lot of personal matters like throughout this movie and it's it's really fascinating to watch him kind of work through it and it's it's kind of one of the more personal and like human movies you'll maybe see this year just in that sense because it's just it's just wholly unpretentious and like dealing with like matters very seriously um some of it's a little conventional but it's i think this is a movie that's going to work for a lot of people yeah, and it's been a very cathartic year for Shia LaBeouf. Between this and Peanut Butter Falcon, like he's just having a very artsy, introspective year, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, and like there was like quotes after he did Peanut Butter Falcon where he was like, "This movie made me a better person." Um, so it seems like he's trying to turn over a new page in his life, and it's it's really great to see, and it's. Something like that, I think, is really if you're interested in like Honey Boy, or if you're interested in Shia LaBeouf at all, or you're kind of interested in kind of just what fame does to younger people and how they deal with it and how tough it is. I think Honey Boy is is definitely worthwhile. And like you said, it's very cathartic uh, in the end, and you definitely gain a great perspective on Shia LaBeouf and just kind of the people and the characters or the people that touched his life. Uh, it's it's really fascinating to see. Yeah, and I I watched an interview with him just kind of talking about everything that's going on just in his process of making this movie and just trying to escape the several different images that the public's had of Shia LaBeouf and the uh, rumor that he's a cannibal. Uh, you know, he's, no. just, he's, he's had a lot of stereotypes he's trying to get, get past. And so I, I think Honey Boy is a really good step in showing just what kind of artist he is. Cause I think he's a really interesting artist, not just in movies, but a lot of the performance stuff he's done as well. Yeah. I, it's, I mean, it's telling when Steven Spielberg kind of plucks you out and says, like, you're, like, the next guy in these movies. And that's what Spielberg did with Shia LaBeouf, like, so, so like, a couple years ago. So the dude is really talented. And you've seen it in, like, in like his non-Transformers movies where he's just a really just – he's a really intelligent and thoughtful actor. Um, so, yeah, it's really good to see. And plus, there's there was also the um, the allegation that he, he was – plagiarizing his his work in school and things like that so um the fact that he's writing this movie is just it's a very interesting bookend on that as well so it's just it's dealing with a lot of different things um and i think that's kind of it's kind of one of those things where they say like specificity is can become universal um so i feel like this is kind of what uh, honey boy is dealing with yeah, so it's it's definitely a good artsy movie to go see this weekend um i know it's it's actually expanding quite a bit because uh, I'm basically in the middle of nowhere and we're getting it. So uh, keep an eye out. And then the other big release next week is a Netflix release, which has been kind of hopping around the award circuits uh, for the past few months. And that is Marriage Story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. And that drops on Netflix on Friday. Yeah, I I saw Marriage Story a few weeks ago at a, at a screening and it, I, at the time of this recording, I think it's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, it is, it's like Honey Boy. It is just unbelievably cathartic and in so many ways. A lot of them different than Honey Boy, but it is, it is a, just a tour de force on so many different layers uh, and so many different layers with Noah Baumbach's writing and direction. And then you have Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, just with probably just two of my favorite performances of the year. Like they're just like absolutely like like they're ridiculously good in this movie. Um, it's just. There's just so many different things. I mean, it's, it's a divorce movie, as you probably know, and it's Noah Baumbach kind of playing off of, or the the, the screenplay is largely based off of uh, his marriage and and 
unfortunate divorce to Jennifer Jason Lee from a few years ago. So there's definitely, there's also a little bit of tie into honey boy there as well, where it's largely based on life, but um, it's a really fascinating kind of just, un, it's also very unpretentious. And I think that's kind of what has, what uh, Noah Baumbach has really struggled with throughout his career, kind of dealing with um, pretentious versus unpretentious uh, uh, characters and themes throughout his movies. Uh, but it's just, Marriage Story is just, just a, an emotional, just, roller coaster there's just so many different things where there's just there's one scene with scarlett johansson uh that i won't spoil here but it's it kind of it just keeps going and going and it's it's almost it almost turns into like a monologue you'd see on broadway and it's just like probably like the best acting i've ever seen from her (laughs) and then like adam driver also has a lot of moments like this well as well where the camera just hangs on him and just like he gets he just gets to spout noah baumbach's like incredible dialogue and it's it is it is just crazy good i I can't. I don't think a day has passed where I haven't thought about it since I've seen it, and I've seen it. I saw it like a couple weeks ago. So um, I highly encourage everyone to not go out and see the Playmobil, Playmobil movie and stay home and watch a Marriage Story on Netflix instead. Yeah, and this is one of the movies that everybody that I know or follow as a critic that's seen it has put it pretty much in their top three for the year. I mean, that's like pretty consistently across even critics that never agree on anything. Um, and so I, I know it's definitely going to be one of the one of the year's bests, and I'm excited to sit down and watch it on my TV, just as uh, Bombac intended it. <laughs> it's it's a crazy two weeks for Netflix because we had Irishman come out on Netflix obviously this week, then we have Marriage Story coming out this week. It's and these are probably if I had to guess right now, these are probably the two front runners for best picture. If I had to guess, I mean, probably Jojo Rabbit has something to say about that as well, because Fox Searchlight really knows how to run a campaign, maybe once upon a time in Hollywood as well. But yeah, it's like these two movies are just absurdly good. And they're kind of, yeah, like you said, they're like these, they're just two movies that everyone's like, oh, yeah, like everyone's in on them. Like, oh, yeah, they're really, really good uh, with like little to no qualifiers. Um, it's just it's it's weird because Marriage Story, I think, is one of those movies that you don't really want to know much about going into, even though it's like, it's like not like a genre movie. There's no like twists or turns. It's just kind of a, just a really good, like solid drama. But I think just like experiencing all of like the, the emotions and like all of the different like fights and all the crazy things that happen just within it are just like, so just incredible when you kind of go in blind. So I would, I would hope that people don't really seek out all the information about it. Cause it's, it's really worth it in that respect. Yeah. And I think, you know, this has just been a smart move by Netflix. I mean, they've really been upping their quality. <laughs> um, they, they've been at quantity for quite a while, uh, but they've really been focused on upping the quality of their movies. So like last year, we really had Roma was kind of their big uh, Oscar-y push for the year. Uh, but now we've seen Dolomite, and Marriage Story, and The Irishman, and they're, they're really making themselves a heavy hitter uh, for this kind of kind of stuff. Yeah, and they also have... The, the two popes coming out uh, later in December, which I've seen and I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think it's definitely going to be a player uh, as far as the awards is concerned. Cause it's, it's Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan uh, price playing uh, Pope, ben- uh, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. So that's <laughs> just two. It's just a really interesting. And I'm sure that a lot of uh, voters will be really interested in that kind of movie. And it's the directors, the same director as the city of God, which was a, uh, I believe one best foreign film whenever it came out a couple, a decade or so ago, or it was at least highly considered for it. But yeah, there's, there's a big pedigree on like all of the 
the uh, movies that they're releasing now. Um, and I think it's it's like kind of like almost Netflix saying like fuck you to the to the Academy because they didn't want to vote for Roma because it's a Netflix movie and they're just like all right well we have uh, an epic directed by Martin Scorsese we have arguably Noah Baumbach's best movie as well and among all these other things like you just can't deny us this year and I think we're we're just gonna see that Netflix I think Netflix is really gonna just I mean they've they're kind of spending like crazy in all these campaigns. Like they're, they're not going to be denied this year. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially we just saw Disney plus launch and we'll see um, HBO and Peacock and however many billions of streaming platforms are coming out next year. And I think this is a very smart move for them as they just try to make themselves more of a dominant force in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're not fighting for their lives at this point, but they're definitely trying to, keep whatever foothold they have in the streaming industry because um, they just don't want, they don't want to lose out to all these other people. And I think, I think just stuff like this, like they're just making really good connections with artists and kind of getting on their good side. So I, I can't really foresee their, them going away from this kind of formula anytime soon. I think Netflix has really set up, set themselves up nicely. Yeah, I think so. And I think we'll see the evidence of that here in the next week. So that pretty much sums up this week into the box office. And we'll be back next week again talking about Honey Boy and Dark Waters and I guess the Playmobil movie and Marriage Story. <laughs> no, no Playmobil movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, check back. And remember, you can always check us out online at moviebabblereview.com. Bye.